0: Log
1: Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new.
0: Time, time. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real.
2: All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network.
0: G's Power Hour. Yeah.
2: Good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, Dee. Thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, So there's a couple of stories I came across that, you know, kind of made me unsettled to just say, put that mildly. And so, you know, I have to call in reinforcements to kind of get the 411 on what's going on with them from the inside out and and, uh, just kind of figure out, you know, how I should feel about certain things. So today we are bringing back Civil Rights Attorney Kevin Anderson from Anderson and Welch. Good morning. How are you?
1: Good morning. I'm doing fine. Happy holidays. And how are you? I'm a
2: little – I'm okay. I'm just going to say I'm okay. I'm not going to give in to anything. So I am good. And I'm always great when you're here. So thank you again for agreeing to come by, um, call in. And so what? Do, where do we want to start?
1: Well, you you loaded me up, actually. I know I did. (laughs) Things that are happening around us, um, Uh, which uh, you you know are informative, and certainly things that I think our listening audience is following. Uh, So mm -hmm. let's begin in Louisiana uh, with uh, the indictment of the police officers who uh, were directly responsible for uh, the killing of Ronald Green. Um, Mm -hmm. As uh, the uh, listeners may recall, Mr. Green uh, was a motorist who was uh, pursued by Louisiana State troopers. And uh, ultimately, uh, when his vehicle came to a stop, um, he was uh, in uh, a a giving up mode or at least not uh, being aggressive towards the uh, troopers. But nonetheless, he was uh, tased. He was uh, punched repeatedly. Uh, put in a chokehold uh, and uh, handcuffed, then uh, drugged across the ground, and uh, as a result of these actions, he ultimately died. Uh, the state troopers lied about the accident that took place with the vehicle. They also lied about their handling of Mr. Green. And uh, the lie was uh, coordinated amongst the troopers, uh, resulting in about three years that passed before there could be something done uh, in the form of a criminal indictment against the officers and um, ultimately, uh, at this point now, a civil lawsuit for wrongful death. Um, and I want to mention, too, that in addition to the, uh, to the uh, Louisiana State Police Officers, uh, there was also one sheriff's deputy um, who, in this particular case, was uh, charged uh, with uh, malfeasance. Uh, you, you really don't hear about that guy, uh, but um, he's in the bunch with the officers or the state troopers who have now been held accountable for the uh, for the, for the wrongful death regarding Mr. Green.
2: So I'm, I'm just – you would think that after George Floyd – That we wouldn't have to be, uh, these type of cases wouldn't fly into the radar, first of all, the way that they do. Um, Second of all, that um, officers would just, you know, hold themselves a little bit more accountable because they, you know, there's a camera somewhere. There's a camera somewhere now, (laughs) everywhere, and they might get caught, you know. If it's nothing but for their own self-interest, you know, but it should be in the interest of the community because that's who they're serving. So um, what do you think will happen Mm -hmm. with these officers? What do I think will happen? Uh,
1: I believe these men are going to be convicted of their uh, respective crimes, and I believe that Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, municipality will be uh, paying out a substantial monetary sum uh, to Mr. Green's estate, and uh, the officers themselves may individually be held liable for some of the – some of the damages uh, this is akin to a george floyd killing uh-huh. it's um it's somewhat um, uh, worse in that there was a coordinated effort amongst the officers to deliberately torture mr green uh, and these officers were aware that their actions were recorded by body cam, had the audacity to continue to do something like this. Um, In in contrast, when it came to the Derek Chauvin activity, um, other people recorded what took place. And arguably, and I'm not trying to mitigate what the uh, other uh, police officers did uh, to Mr. Floyd, um, uh, those actions don't compare to what these state troopers did to Mr. Green. These state troopers deliberately beat him. They were uh, uh, taunting Mr. Green with uh, a racial epithet. They bound him, they tased him, they drug him, and then they deliberately covered up what took place. Now, in Mr. Floyd's case, there was a denial uh, and there certainly was a defense when these men were arrested and charged for Mr. Floyd's killing. Uh, but I did not see evidence of a concerted effort to deliberately cover up what took place. And, uh, you know, so so what's terrifying is that knowing that you are being videotaped with audio and that there are multiple people in the group If you continue to do that uh, without a a concern that you're going to be accountable, uh, that jeopardizes everybody traveling those roadways that those uh, troopers and that sheriff's deputy was responsible for serving and protecting.
2: So what do you think has changed or should have changed between the George Floyd murder and uh, the stuff that's going on out because we got other stuff that we're talking about too today. So um, what lessons were learned, or were there any lessons learned? I think experiences are uh,
1: what um, are out there for an uh, education, but don't know that uh, anything was learned that wasn't already known. Before either of the cases mm-hmm. took place, the, the, the uh, police officers and troopers, they all knew that uh, gratuitous uh, use of force against someone who is not being aggressive and who has been subdued uh, is not only uh, a criminal, but uh, it's something mm-hmm. that uh, is uh, going to uh, cause a municipality to be liable. Or those actions, you know, these aren't things that people learn, uh, you know, because it just happens on the spot. These are adult law enforcement officers who have gone through training academies, and also who are walking around and looking and learning things like you and I are. You know, they have common sense. So, um, I think what we take away, cautious as citizens. Um, I think that uh, we have to be ever vigilant when it comes to uh, remedies that need to be pursued and vigorously uh, overseen to make sure that municipalities are hiring officers who are more conscientious, who are better trained, um, and uh, that when it comes to uh, making families whole for this type of activity... We have to be more than willing as jurors and as citizens to promote uh, some type of, of reasonable and uh, appropriate uh, monetary recovery and injunction to take care of the wrongful debts, the uh, medical bills, uh, some of the uh, psychological damages, and the reformation also that should be taking place with these agencies. Um, you know, gee, the Department of Justice, uh, and I'm talking about the, uh, the federal Department of Justice, uh, they undertake a huge initiative uh, for consent orders and uh, for uh, oversight regarding uh, cities and, 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 and um, departments within cities and agencies uh, to ensure compliance with uh, federal civil rights principles. And when things are brought to, to the department's attention that require the department to now put a municipality or a police agency uh, under the, the, the uh, watchful eye of government, um, this kind of goes on for a while to make sure that man, things either correct themselves uh, and or are uh, properly uh, compensated when uh, there is activity that's inappropriate. So um, those are are things that I think are ramifications or, or, you know, the result of what these uh, rogue officers uh, did in the Floyd case and also in Mr. Green's case. Uh, But unfortunately, uh, this is, is happening like clockwork. There's really no slowdown. There's really no slowdown.
2: Which is uh, appalling. I understand his mother. I think her name is Mona Hardin. Um, she says she's not stopping until uh, she gets justice for her son. And in fact, she has the ashes. that She has not uh, buried or done anything with. Um, while she's and she's been just in hot pursuit of trying to get you know the attention that this case deserves. Um, are we going to always have to be in the trenches getting, you know, saying ooh, hello, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that, uh, why is this not happening, so on and so forth. It's just I, I'm sure she's just exhausted and part of her is, is has died, if not from just losing her son, just from um, all of what she's put in to try to get attention to the case.
1: But We're, we're going to be in the trenches. Of course we are. You know, that's that, that's something that has changed with uh, these large payouts to some degree by way of what is done to uh, certain people in the community. So, you know, while, you know, yesteryear, people would, uh, you know, wake up to a burning living room after a Molotov cocktail was thrown through your window, and then next thing you knew you were being drugged from your home and, and taken to the highest mm. tree and, lent, and lynched you know things have mm-hmm. changed in that in that regard but now yeah. lynching takes place at the uh, end of a barrel uh, or mm-hmm. you know at the uh, at the uh, at the end
2: of a of a fist to your,
1: mm-hmm. your skull
2: or a knee or to your sometimes neck. even or sometimes even in the system there's a certain amount of lynching that goes on there. You know, doing stuff under the radar, it doesn't get, get caught, and, you know, you're the person that ends up suffering for it. But what
1: I think we, we really need to, to look at is that the perpetrators are in uniform now.
2: You know, mm-hmm.
1: back in the day, the uniform was a white sheet. Now the uniform mm-hmm. is black and, and blue with a badge on, on, on the chest of the perpetrator. And mm-hmm. so when we look at how and a gun in the it's table. now happening, it's different. You know, it's under color of law rather mm-hmm. than under color of darkness where mm-hmm. you know, of yesteryear, you didn't know who did it. You know, it could have been the banker or, uh, or, or the baker or someone who is a farmer that lives next to you hiding under a sheet. Nowadays, that perpetrator is an individual walking around. You know, with uh, patent leather shoes and, you know, a 9-millimeter uh, a caliber weapon on, on his or her hip, you know, smiling at mm-hmm. you and killing you in the name of, of the law, and you're paying him uh, a salary to go out and to kind of protect and serve you. So, so maybe maybe that's the one thing we need to be looking at, you know, is that, like, wow, man, have we now shifted, you know, when it comes to victimization? Uh, is, it, is it the government? uh that you know is employing these people who are victimizing us rather than these these rogue people calling themselves vigilantes that we had to contend with you know years and years ago but uh, think about that,
0: yeah,
2: I mean it's you know one of the categories I would say of institutional racism you know we 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 talk about how you know the the the, the criminals are in the system. You know, so it's not just with the police. This, it's, oh, so many other areas where the criminals are just in the system and just trying to identify it because it's so subtle sometimes. You know, you don't know what's yes, going on. Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Well, the um, there's there's something uh, known as uh, sovereign immunity in in many states, and mm-hmm. uh, what sovereign yeah. immunity uh, constitutes is a a statute that allows a citizen within a state to sue the government. And to the Mm -hmm. extent that you are allowed to present that lawsuit, there are typically capped damages amounts. For example, in Florida, we have a statute that permits certain lawsuits pertaining to false arrest and excessive force to be brought against the municipality. But there are damages which are limited to 200,000 Per person and three hundred thousand per incident in the event that there are multiple people involved. So uh, that's not a lot. It's not very encouraging when it comes to the relief that you get from um, things that sometimes uh, cost you your life. Uh, in addition, there's no um, there's no uh, um, concern in some instances by the municipality from allowing a, a police officer who might do something, for example, of what happened in, in, the, in the green case uh, from from uh, being held accountable and the municipality and not pay out, like, millions of dollars for what's happening unless they agree to do so. Um, that, I think, impacts what's happening out in the street because there, 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 there definitely isn't an incentive to, for a municipality to kind of back off of these people who are out there like Derek children. Um, who had multiple, multiple complaints uh, for um, excessive force, who ultimately killed George Floyd. Yeah. Uh, you know what? So what people didn't hear <laughs> is that the day that George Floyd was sentenced in the federal uh-huh. case, he uh-huh. there was another I- incident of, of excessive force that he had been charged right? for and was sentenced for on the same day. Yeah, that didn't really Wow. Happen. That yeah, this guy was out there like you know doing stuff that was so under the radar, and it came mm-hmm. to you know the, to the surface you know with the with the Floyd sentencing. So, um, but uh, but you know going back to that sovereign immunity, it's it's frustrating. You know, when mm-hmm. when you're looking at the government themselves giving you permission to sue them in state court. So what do you do? You go to federal court, and then you sue. Uh, because there are no caps against the municipalities. There's mm-hmm. a caveat. And that caveat says, look, you can't sue us unless what happened resulted from a custom policy or practice. Um, so you've got to show that, like, you know, our customs, our policies, and our practices resulted in whatever it is that you're suing us for. So if it's a wrongful death, yeah, you got you got to show us something here that tells us that our policies and our customs and practices, like, kind of resulted in your death. All right. And it's really tough to do that because typically nobody has a policy that says they get to shoot you, you know, when you got your hands up in the air and a car saying, hey, I made a mistake. I made a mistake like Mr. Green. You know, it's, um, you know, it's typically very difficult to prove the custom policies or practices, which are the constitutional basis for a lawsuit. So you get shut down there as well. So it's, it's, you really are, are up against these, these these two factors, both in state court regarding sovereign immunity and in federal court regarding this custom policy or practice principle when you're suing a municipality. Um, and, and these are challenges that practitioners uh, who do these uh, police liability claims to have to deal with.
2: You no, know, folks, like like I said, you, a lot of this is not coming to light in mainstream media. And, you know, I I'm can't, I worked in mainstream media, so, you know, I know some of it, it, you know, could be the fall of the people that are making the decisions. And some of it is just, there's a lot of stuff going out, out on out there and having to pick and choose, especially if it's not in your area, try to, you know, but the focus needs to be, you know, put on these cases. Um, when we come back, because we're going to take a break, we're going to talk about another Uh, Gulf Coast incident Um, and, you know, in the South, God only knows what's going on again. But uh, we want to take a look at that case when we come back. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had So Good Entertainment and we will be right back. Good morning, welcome back to G's Power Hour. I have never had it so good. Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We're here with civil rights attorney Kevin Anderson of Anderson and Welch. And if you have questions or comments, the number is five one six three eight seven one nine four four. And so I wanted to talk. And by the way, like I said um, beforehand, sometimes you got to you know listen to other people like or, or read other things like um, NPR um or, or um a, the ap or even you know some local newspaper you know that may have an online presence that you you know, you, may, you may not see it normally but you know you can always look up some of this stuff um even if yeah, sometimes you can find out a lot even by just uh doing a search for uh civil rights cases and some of this stuff will come up um one of the cases i heard about or so actually I think I saw it on Good Morning America, was a case um, that happened um, in 2019 uh, that's in the courts right now dealing with a, uh, murder, murder, well, the death of a lady named Atat- Atat- Atatiana. I think that's her name. Atatiana Jefferson. And the one thing that caught my attention about it was uh, when she was killed, her uh, nephew, uh, was right there. He was eight years old at the time. He was 11 and testifying in court. Did you get a chance to look into this? I did. I did. I, I um, had followed
1: it somewhat. Um, it happened as, as you uh, stated in uh, 2019. So you know a lot has happened since then to sort of mm-hmm. um, not upstage it, but to uh, you know uh, sort of serve as a, as a, a mild distraction, but. Um, and the media didn't report on the, uh, the developments frequently. But what happened in that particular case is uh, uh, this was a, a call to a residence regarding a burglary in progress. And the residence was occupied by uh, Miss uh, Tatiana Jefferson and her then 8-year-old um, relative, uh, her nephew, uh, apparently, earlier in the evening, uh, the two of them had, uh, had been cooking, and I guess something burned, and they uh, so they opened up the doors in order to air the place out, it, it appears, and uh, the place was well lit, and uh, law enforcement, uh, stating that they were dispatched to uh, investigating a, a potential burglary in progress, came to the home. And uh, were uh, quickly detected by Miss uh, Jefferson, who then went to the window. Now, you know, things get a little little hairy at this point because there's uh, stated testimony that she may have been trying to get a, a firearm to protect herself. And uh, what happened was that one of the officers uh, saw her at the window, a guy uh, by the name of Aaron Dean, uh, who uh, claims that he then saw a gun pointing directly at him, and so he shot through the window, killing her. The uh, officer was accompanied by a partner um, who never saw the weapon, did not hear a warning that there was a weapon on scene, and uh, was not otherwise sort of placed in a uh, in a gun on scene protocol. The young man who uh, is now 11 recalled the incident uh, from uh, 2019 uh, as uh, as you know that his 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 aunt. Gone to the window, uh, and he knew that his aunt was concerned that there was something outside, and he uh, he heard the shot, um, saw his aunt, uh, who uh, obviously had been uh, shot, uh, fall to the ground, and then uh, the officers entered the home and confronted him. So, um, Officer Dean, the shooter, uh, ultimately, uh, he uh, entered a plea of not guilty, proceeded to trial, and... uh, he was recently uh, convicted for manslaughter, not murder. Mm-hmm. He is um, at this point uh, going to uh, be dealing with his sentencing, but um, you know it's uh, it, it's a case that was also caught on video, um, which you know sort of kind of lets you see how um, you know how um, confusing this situation may have been. Um, I've looked at the case and and I thought that uh, this one is is really one of recklessness. Um, I'm not so sure and not willing necessarily to say that he deliberately, uh, you know, walked over to that window and and decided that because this was a black woman that he was going to kill her uh, right then and there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I think the jury didn't feel the same way either because uh, he was convicted of manslaughter and not uh, the deliberate, uh, act of, uh, of, um, intentionally killing her that is required for, uh, the murder conviction, uh, that he had, uh, uh, or the murder charge rather that he had been charged with. So, mm-hmm. um, there you have it. I mean, I, I just, um, you know, uh, it's a really, really confusing situation, but, you know, I think the jury got it right. You know, you just, uh, you, you really can't just start shooting inside people's houses, you know, um, the, the uh, if you listen to the closing argument, which was wonderful by the uh, the district attorney, the district attorney stated that listen, we go to our homes to relax and and to like kind of escape the the world. You know, yeah, no they were one...
2: watching video games.
1: <laughs> exactly. You know, who you on know? earth would think that like if you go to your window, you're going to get shot to death? So, um, and there were other and... things that could have taken place besides like shooting someone, you know, in a window through a window. My God, right. you know, you're on the outside. You know, you, you maybe maybe try, like, knocking on the door. I mean, either, even though the door was open, maybe, you know, stick your right. hand in or something, or maybe call inside or, or something right. like that just to kind of see what's going on. You don't know, just start shooting people through, through the glass.
2: Well, and, and it seems like she got the gun because th- there was no identification. There was no nothing. She hears stuff, you know, outside of her home and wondering what's going on. You know, so, so she's well within her rights as a, you know, person trying to protect her home and, and her um, nephew, you know. The thing that just kind of got agree. to me is, like, they it seemed as though they were trying to trip up the young man, the young boy. Um, you know, it was like, well, three years ago you told us this, you know, that, you know are you sure? You know, and that kind of just got into my skin a little bit because it's like this is already just plain traumatic in general because I'm here one moment. I'm um, playing video games with my aunt, you know, and, and you know, taking a chewing out maybe of some messed up burgers. And then the next thing, she's gone for good. Yeah, I and I have the I image. I blame the court for that. Go ahead. No, go ahead.
1: Go ahead, I blame the court for allowing uh, the child's examination to, go, to be conducted in that manner. Um, you know, mm-hmm. every uh, defense lawyer worth uh, his or her salt is expected to vigorously examine a witness. And and I'm not saying aggressively. I'm saying Mm vigorously, meaning to do a complete and thorough examination of an eyewitness to a case. Uh, But where you have a minor, every state has enacted certain laws that allow you to extract that information in a way that won't traumatize the minor witness. Um, Oftentimes that is done outside the presence of a jury and in a proceeding known as an in-camera process. Um, There are also uh, ways to put questions to a minor through a third party so that you're getting the truth, but you're saving the person from reliving this event to a point where the individual is victimized themselves. So I blame the court for kind of allowing that to take place in the manner in which it did.
2: Yeah, that was just really, really wrong. And that, like I said, it, that got to me more so than, than anything else. But, um, you know, yeah, things happen. I, I just, And uh, is, is it my understanding, and I don't know if you mm-hmm. got a chance to find out, that he hadn't been on this job that long? Uh, I
1: don't know what his, what his uh, tenure was with the agency, but I know he fired one time. It wasn't a barrage of bullets. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I know that he was dispatched uh, for a non-emergency report that doors were open. Now, I garage door open all the time. I I mean, my garage Mm -hmm. door is open all the time, man. All right, so, you know, you might catch me walking out there, you know, to, uh, you know, do something. Don't shoot me. (laughs) I'm in my garage with the door open. But, like, to this guy, I I don't know. I I don't know what his tenure was. That's that's a really great question. And he didn't
2: consult with his partner, from what I understand, too. He did what? He didn't consult with his partner, from what I understand too. You know, the partner was kind of left in the in the dark. You know, next thing you know,
0: right. they're That's, shooting.
2: Right. There was there's a protocol that
1: um, takes place, and the partner testified that again she didn't see a weapon, and she didn't hear the uh, the command. And the command typically is you know gun gun gun. You know, when, you know, someone pulls a gun so that everybody knows that, hey, you know, switch up, switch up, you know, heighten up here. You know, there's a gun out here. Um, That didn't happen either. So uh, the partner testified against him, basically, you know, um, and and not deliberately so, but uh, substantively so.
2: We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about a case out in Denver and get your take on it. Kevin so we're here with Kevin Anderson of Anderson and Welch if you have questions or comments the number is 516-387-1944 G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment we'll be right back Having a wedding, reception family reunion, planning a banquet or some other fundraising event need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast Let us help. At Our Gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call Our Gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email OurGatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior
1: formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes
2: and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring
1: for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years.
2: Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour. I never had so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Here with Kevin Anderson of Anderson and Welch. We're going over a few cases. Um, one that caught my attention actually just this morning was about um, some, uh, I guess, a federal investigation going on in, in the Denver area since 2018 about uh, arrests that were being made because, um, and, and the people weren't, I guess, notified the way they should have been in terms of what the charges were because they did not speak English. Um, That sounds like to me like something that we could face here in Florida. We do. We we do. We do have uh,
1: English uh, issues, especially in South Florida. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, But I'll address, you know, what I've experienced in South Florida after I kind of lay out what had been happening in Denver. So now apparently... Uh, the uh, uh, police in Denver failed to use uh, translation services uh, in order to communicate with people who they encountered. And uh, oftentimes what would happen was that um, password-bys or um, family members would be used to translate things both from and, and to the officers uh, from individuals who were um, part of the, the police action, and so um, what um, um, resulted was that, you know, in a crime context, sometimes the charges were never conveyed uh, to a particular uh, arrestee. Uh, there were there were also times when um, the uh, uh, violence would erupt because the person never knew that going to be taken into custody and all of a sudden now their hands are being moved behind their back and, and these handcuffs are being placed over, over their wrist. Uh, so uh, the Department of Justice actually uh, got involved. This is one of those instances where the Department of Justice can move in and uh, take action in order to provide oversight so that there is a remedy to something that impacts the, uh, the community. Um, the Department of Justice uh, decided that this was a, an unconstitutional uh, in environment uh, with the agency in that uh, they would now um, cause the uh, city to uh, enter into either a settlement or they would be forced into some involuntary uh, consent action that would now make the department do something to, to alleviate this activity. and. The settlement provided uh for new policies and training regarding transit translation services. Um and specifically from what I could glean uh the the, the the new policy now prohibited the use of bystanders or family members to translate uh, between the police and, and the uh and the uh, individuals being dealt with, except for emergency situations particularly the Denver, but there were other departments involved too out in, uh, out in uh, Colorado, uh, would have to appoint a language access coordinator uh, and uh, improve on training to uh, allow those interacting with people who spoke different languages to um, comprehend what was transpiring between the two parties. Uh, so that was enough to back up the de- back off the Department of, of, uh, of, uh, of Justice, and um, you know we'll see you know what what's going to come out of that because that this is a new development. I think this just happened earlier in um, in December, um, maybe mm-hmm. last week. So we'll see. You know these things typically take a while uh, to kind of uh, measure, but um, you know that's what was happening. So um, you know um, I practiced uh, criminal law, and still do, uh, in mm-hmm. um, uh, Miami particularly. I used to live there. And mm-hmm. uh, the court courthouses uh, in Miami, as uh, are in Broward and uh, in uh, Palm Beach, have uh, translators who are employees who uh, are summoned to the courtroom to assist attorneys to uh, speak with their clients uh, whenever the... Uh, uh, the uh, defendant or the or a witness is brought before a judge. Uh, the translator will be standing right there. There will be a set of of uh, of, of ear ear uh, earphones and a microphone that um, you know will now be utilized so that the person can understand what is being said. There are translators in Spanish, uh, Creole. I've had. Uh, the a, a dialect of uh of, of, of spanish from guatemala uh we, we brought in turkish uh, translators russian translators german translators um and, and mm-hmm. just a slew of them because we understand that it's important uh to communicate it, it, it boils down to communication so um you know mm-hmm. i think we we have we are on the cutting edge here with respect to that process
2: and I think in this case, I think the language. There was a couple of languages. I think one of them was Burmese, I believe. One of them. <laughs> you know. So
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. I, yeah I was. That, that was like it, it was Burmese and Rohingya. Um, okay. So good. Thank ask, you for telling that. Don't don't ask. <laughs> I, I, you know. I mean, but like. I mean. Sorry. You know. You're just not probably going to have like you know an officer who knows either of those languages fluently. Slowly enough to kind of like, you know, to, to jump out of the car and start conversing with, with someone who only knows either
2: of the two languages. You know? Well, I mean, one of the things that they're supposed to do now is have a coordinator to, you know, as part of, I guess, whatever sentence was dealt out, was to have a, a coordinator to deal with um, having these uh, language issues addressed, you know, and put together a plan. Because uh, they, they don't want to. Ch- keep involving, like, kids and family members or or people off the street, you know, which, you know, could could get the, especially kids, could get the interpretation wrong, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, you see it all the time. You see it all the time. You see it all the time. And, and, And you can't hold them liable for misinterpretation, you know, none of these people. So you do have to have something in place. Uh, that deals with this type of thing and and is able to take responsibility for uh, the translation and making sure that uh, those people that are being arrested or or charged or, you know, even questioned know precisely what the the information is that they're supposed to understand.
1: Well, what about a scenario where you have a a criminal defendant who's entitled to a, a, a jury of his or her peers and mm-hmm. you know one of the potential jurors is uh not quite fluent in in English but you know has enough to pick up mm-hmm. the gist of what's happening but the lawyers we strike the person you know i had a jury trial about 2 weeks ago and and there was a potential juror who um mm-hmm. you know she couldn't speak English that well i mean frankly you know i i had I had trouble conveying stuff to her and so mm-hmm. you know we asked we asked for her excusal and uh, of course, like all these issues popped up. Like, well, wait a minute. Is your is, I mean, is your does your client want her off? I mean, and of course, the the uh, the state attorney, you know, kind of, you know, wanted her wanted her to stay on because, of course, you know, this is for somebody who doesn't understand anything. They're going to do whatever we right. want them to do. They'll just mm-hmm. follow the path in in the jury deliberation room. So, um, so you know, we we uh, we definitely had to explore that, and it took a long time in order for us to agree that maybe this wasn't the right panel for her.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's also some stuff going on in, was it, Georgia and Oklahoma. This is, I guess you, in, in some cases, in some people's mind this would be kind of considered reverse racism, but it has to do with, with mm-hmm. funds for uh, dealing with COVID. Did you get a chance yeah, to come of kind of outside of my wheelhouse, man. Yeah, I looked at that. Okay. You know, just um, –
1: you know, I kind of deal with uh, police and um, you know people who are you know impacted by police services and, and things right. related to um, you know the, the criminal justice process. So I looked at that; it was interesting. You know, um, yeah. um, not not something that I'm I'm sort of an expert on, to be honest, which is you know, um, yeah, but I did look at that. You know, I did look at that. You know, yeah, um,
0: yeah.
1: and I'll
2: I'll post it for you guys on the G power our Facebook page when I get a chance just to uh give you a, a little bit of insight into to what's going on with that and uh you know we may catch up on that a little later. So All right. What anyway. about
1: some hot topics? Anything anything hot that's out there, you know, you were you were the seething the other day when we spoke,
2: man. You know just, Well, uh, like I said it was you know, was that that the thing with the the lady's nephew that just kind of really got to me when i first you know said hey i need you to come back on and just kind of settle this for me um just you know interesting how you you said that you thought it was more of a you know reckless thing than a racial thing which is, is, is i mean not that either way is good but i think i'd rather for it to be reckless and i, I wish we you know people would be able to get away from some of the the racism that they, you know, use to conduct their business, especially with uh, law enforcement. So um, I wanted to, well, I will let you take the lead on whatever you want when we come back. I wanted to ask you about things we need to look out for in the new year. So um, we're going to take our final break. We are here with Kevin Anderson of Anderson and Welch. And the number, if you have questions, is 516 387 1944 this Power Hour I've Never Had a So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back.
1: This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faiths, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway. Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs, dedicated to serving our families. Hi, I'm Tim Garris. You may know me as Timmy G. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the yard And I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's chill out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight
0: on K-Ham Radio. Are you chillin'?
2: Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It Till Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us this afternoon. Um, before we go any further, I just want to ask everybody to keep the family of Jonte Haywood, I believe that's his name, in prayer. He went missing, um, I guess, Thursday night. They reported it Friday in um, Sumter County. And uh, a 15-year-old guy, He, um, they found found him he uh died from a gunshot wound it seems uh there should be more information coming um I, this is um from the orlando advocate that uh i got some of this information but you know just keep the family and, and this young man in, in prayer please so um so where which direction are we going in kevin it's on you all right thank you thank you for passing me the ball okay <laughs>
1: Uh, <laughs> December fifth, December fifth, the uh, president signed uh, into legislation something known as the Civil Rights Code Case Records Review uh, Board Extension. And uh, what this is is it's, this is a group of uh, of individuals who uh, form uh, a the uh, board to facilitate investigations of unsolved civil rights cases. Um, Now, the uh, board was uh, set to kind of uh, lose its authorization um, unless the president uh, extended them further, and he did that on December 5th. So, you know, Mm -hmm. this is is huge because the, the Department of Justice relies on the board's findings. Uh, with respect to the records that they are able to uh, obtain and, and generate. Uh, there are uh, over 100 civil rights cases that remain unsolved, uh, cases such as uh, Emmett Till um, or the uh, famous uh, case that uh, is referenced in the movie Mississippi Burning, uh, the defeatist uh, mm. the, uh, the, the, the chain, uh, Goodman and uh, Schwermer. Uh, would never have been resolved, in my judgment, the way that uh, they were uh, if a, a board similar to this were not in place to keep the ambers uh, burning. You know, it's uh, a lot of things happen in darkness, and we don't yeah. see what really we should see until later down the line. So we have to keep that in mind. I think the uh, the, the Groveland poor, you know, uh, yeah. my God. You know, be sure. That since I've known you, that finally, mm-hmm. you know, resulted in 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 in, a, in posthumous justice for the for the, the state for those those uh, those men. But um, so that happened, and again, it was uh, the Civil Rights Code case. Breakfast Review Board um, has now been extended and funded. Uh, it's a big deal. Uh, so, uh, what else?
2: do do they I mean, do they need to uh i guess does this need to be legalized or whatever um this sounds like an, an an executive order that with the next president can be undone or or not uh solidified uh should something more happen here
1: uh no this was uh actually it was uh, senate bill 3655 okay
2: um, all right thank you yeah
1: it's a, yeah yeah this was uh you know, this, this that, and that's what made it so big. This wasn't, you know, a temporary executive order that can be undone yeah. when a new president takes over, it, you know, and so yeah. um, it, this was turned into a, an actual law that has to now be repealed. Um, so I even mean, if you don't want it, but, you know, it is something that has been needed and mm-hmm. has never uh, been objected to but needed to be codified in order for it to be utilized.
2: Okay. Um, Okay. I I said I was going to let you take the reins, but I I, want to stop here if I may. Um, Go. You you and I had a conversation about this relatively recently in terms of codifying and legalizing. So can you go into that a little bit more?
1: Oh, yes, yes. So, so there are times uh, where things are legal, and, but they're not legislated so that the, uh, uh, the action is now made a permanent part of the written law. The written law is what's known as codification or it, the root word code. Uh, so, okay. um, so, you know, there are a lot of things that are out there that, yeah, we can do and and we've been doing it for a long time you know but like th- th- there it hasn't been codified so that now it's set in stone that this is this is now the right that that we we have afforded to us and i think what we were talking about you and i we we, we were talking about the, the marriage equality act which um is um formally known as the respect for marriage act that was recently mm-hmm. signed into legislation and uh, the um the issue that you and i uh, discussed was interracial marriage, Um, like why there was a need to make that a written law now. When everybody and their brother knows that we've had interracial marriages for years and years and years and years, uh, there's nothing illegal about that. So why do we even have to, quote, legalize, unquote, something that is an institution, has been, and will always be? And we mm-hmm. talked about the codification of it, um, and that's how we wound up uh, in, in the discussion. So, uh, mm-hmm. and um, in, in did, did, I, did I answer your question, or you, you want to you want to kind of yeah. get into that yeah. whole issue?
2: Yeah, or, you know, okay. no, right. I, I won't do like I did the other day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Because I still you, think right. there's something wrong with that. But anyway, go ahead. All right. Well,
1: no. I, I mean, I'm, I'm. If you want to, you know,
2: I mean I, I got my my
1: chin sticking out. You you can rear back and uh, give me a good one if you want. All right. So, so go ahead, man. I mean, or no, or no, no, you want, no. Me, you want to go somewhere else
0: here? Or, or yeah. Well, I was
2: just gonna say, uh, you know, 2023 20, round the corner. Um, what what should we be kind of looking out for? Um,
1: well, there was. Uh, you recall on the on the ballot that uh, we had uh, a a question regarding the Florida uh, Constitution Revision Committee uh, Mm -hmm. on the Florida ballot, whether we should sort of disband this 37-member commission, which uh, convenes every 20 years to review and propose changes to the Florida Constitution. And somehow this made it to the ballot uh, for for, for Floridians to decide whether we wanted Mm -hmm. to keep that, or where they wanted to jettison it, and the Floridians were like overwhelmingly willing to, to and wanted to keep this uh, uh, this commission. And uh, essentially, uh-huh. what that the commission does for the listeners is it, it, it um, refers constitutional amendments, so or, or potential amendments to the community uh, for a public vote say That Florida is the only state, the only state with a commission. That can refer constitutional amendments to the ballot, all right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so that's informative, and you don't have to really look out for that. But that's uh, that's something that I, I, you know, I think that's um, you know it's important for people to kind of to kind of know and to to understand because you'll see it again eventually. You'll, you'll right. see it again eventually, uh, for sure. Well,
2: I, I guess what I'd like to know is who makes up this commission? How are the people selected? To be on this commission
1: you know that is a bruce question uh my favorite guy he, i love him mean, whenever you bring him on i listened to him i absolutely love the man i'd like to meet him at some point um he is <laughs> spot on man yeah he knows his stuff man i i, yes, I listen to him big time so so ask him you know ask him like how, how is that commission you know uh formulated like where, where are you getting these guys from um so uh, I need to have you um, both on, I guess, at some point. I, that would be great. I would love to go on with him. I sure would, you know. Um,
2: are you fanboying? Am I doing what? I said. Are you fanboying? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs>
2: okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Just just to be clear. All right. But um. So yeah, I, I guess what I that's that's kind of I. I think that there should be a system of checks and balances. I don't have a problem with that. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I get I'll get this argument, well, you know, man has free will. Yeah, that, yeah, man gets a little stupid with his free will sometimes. I think there needs to be a system of checks and balances. But at the same time, who, you know, who makes up this system of checks and balances? And that's what I would like to know. So I will get with Mr. Um, uh, State Representative Anton and, and ask him. So, OK. All right. Well,
1: I mean, yeah. to look to things in the near future, you know, we're dealing with a lot of constitutional issues in Florida. Uh, anything from book banning to whitewashing history uh, mm. to anti-gay legislation or health care decisions. Uh, you know, those those four areas tend to be right now ripe and they're fluid. Uh, and some of them are actually in the uh, the courts, the federal courts, to determine where Florida stands. Uh, a couple months ago, we were dealing with the election law stuff, and, and that's still under But mm-hmm. but the new yeah. ones again, you know, are, are you know pertaining to things that are that are involving our children, such as the uh, the Woke Act, or it's uh, mm-hmm. it's formerly known as the Stop the Wrongs to Our Kids and Employees Act. Uh, which was stopped in its tracks, by the way uh, and uh with respect to colleges, but not the lower level education so uh mm-hmm. be on the lookout for a, a a decision regarding the uh the woke act known that's that is right at this point uh let's see what
2: else happened uh let's
0: see what a-
2: what about the um we talked? we haven't talked about it in a while and I didn't know if there was any update that needed to be had or whatever, but the the I guess right to protest, uh peaceful assembly or, or whatever. Um, you know, the thing that uh was keeping people from assembling and, and, and protesting, you know you know what I'm talking about?
1: I do, and about I remember before, and I have to bring though. you an update on that because I, I I had not heard whether there was a decision. And so mm-hmm. the assembly and uh, and freedom of expression, um, I will give you an update on that for sure, um, mm-hmm. because that that's important. And you would think that if it, if there was a, an update from the courts that we would know, because it would be on the front page of, of my paper, and I'm certainly uh, sure yours as well. Um, but I, yeah. I will we'll dig and get get the history out of that, or from that for for you for sure, and give give you a good report on that. Okay. okay. Whatever. What else is on your mind? Um, anything else for the last couple of minutes?
2: Well, Kevin, <laughs> whatever whatever you want to talk about in the next minute and a half, um, go ahead. I didn't know. Right. Well, I'm uh, sure. There's well, a lot of
1: stuff. Okay. Well, I I would like nothing more to, than to um, assemble a panel of uh, practitioners similar to to myself, uh, but sort of a medley of of all of us. Who all do a particular area of the law, but at some point mm-hmm. they're on like crossroads. There's, a, there's something between us, so the we can, Well, you know, you
2: know, I've been wanting to do that, but it's, you guys got schedules. I can't. It's, that's, it's, a, it's a little difficult task, but I know. I think I'm going to. Uh, I think I'm going to target that for a particular time. So we're, um, we're going to need like may- two
1: hours, man.
2: We're going to need some time, man, to really I'm to probably really get put to an hour out, and a yeah. half. I don't know about two hours. That's going to be up to the bar. All right, but. Yeah. Okay. All right. But we can do that. All right. Kevin, how do we reach you?
1: You reach me at Kevin. area code five six one eight three two three three eight six. That's my office telephone number. Our website is Andersonandwelch.com dot com.
2: All righty. Thank you, Kevin. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We're gonna get that panel together. I I, I promise. I don't promise much, okay. but right. I will.
1: Happy, happy right. holidays and happy New Year to you and your listeners as well.
2: Thank you, thank you. And thank you all for listening. God willing, talk tomorrow. This has been G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment. Be well, be safe, be blessed, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care.